there's that little girl inside of you who felt hurt by getting that nickname and felt like she had to kind of go along with the joke because everybody thought it was funny except you. And that that more or less inner child could really use some love and attention and compassion. I wish I could go back in time and and hug you and 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 tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. And I love how loud and boisterous you are. And I would love for you to maybe, I, mean, I don't know how much inner child work you've done, but maybe that's an extra assignment for you to think about what you would go back and tell that little girl who was nicknamed that. This is your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 382. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad you are here. Very excited because next week is our last episode officially known as Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast. The show is going to be birthed a new name starting on Thursday, April 15th, which also happens to be my birthday. So good news. Next week, there will be two episodes. We have an interview uh, on Wednesday. And then the following day, I'm doing a quick solo episode talking about the new name of the podcast and the reason why I changed it. So I'm just pumped to bring you that. I also wanted to send a quick shout out, a congratulations to Jennifer and Annika for winning copies of our book giveaway from a few weeks ago when Karen Wright was on the show, The Accidental Alpha Woman. Congrats to Jennifer and Annika. <laughs> Also, before we get into the show today, do you follow me on Instagram? I'm back. I took a break and then I came back and changed my name. So many changes going on over here. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. I'm Hey Andrea Owen on Instagram now. If you already follow me, it's no big deal. But in case you're trying to tag me, it might be a little bit awkward. So <laughs> I'm I'm Hey Andrea Owen. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you might want to consider it. I've started doing reels. I'm giving you behind the scenes as we put the finishing touches on copy editing for this book that is coming out in August. It goes to print not long after copy edits. So we're all very excited about that. And just general musings about life. Lots of Instagram stories about my dog. So please give me a follow over there. All right, today we have a coaching episode for you. I haven't done one of these in a minute. I don't think I did any of them while I was writing my book all of last year. And I have this one today and a couple more coming up for you over the next handful of months. Today, we are talking to Melissa. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about what her struggle was. And then you can listen to the conversation that we have. Make sure you stick around because I have an update at the very end of the episode. And for those of you who might be new to listening to these types of episodes, I want to kind of repeat what I did in the very beginning long, long ago as I was talking about how I like to coach. So in the world of life coaching, there are many different ways, styles, I suppose is the right word, to coach. 
traditional life coaching is all about asking the right questions. You lead from a place of curiosity. You never give advice. You never offer direction. It is really leading the client to their own answers. It's incredibly powerful. I, on the other hand, have a slightly different approach. I do ask intuitive questions that seem, for me, they kind of pop up in different areas. Sometimes I feel like someone's tapping me on the shoulder to ask a question. Sometimes I feel like someone else is in the room. Sometimes it feels like it's in my head just sort of nagging at me, like I have to ask this one particular question, sometimes even if it feels like it doesn't make any sense. And I also give direction. Sometimes I do give advice. What I like to call this is directive coaching. So it's kind of a mix between consulting and guidance and life coaching. Again, there's really no right or wrong way to do this. The reason that I say it here is because when you are looking for a coach, if you think that that might be something that would be helpful for you to get support in that way, you might wanna ask, I mean, you really might want to ask your coach, what's their style? Do they do just traditional, straight up and down, powerful questions, having absolutely no agenda at hand? Or are they more directive, the mix of life coaching and advice? Or is it straight up and down consulting? Because although that's not life coaching, that is a service that's out there for people. And there are some, um, they call themselves advisors or consultants, something of that sort. So I just wanted to explain a little bit about what my style is. And I'm going to let you listen to this conversation with myself and Melissa. (laughs) Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. I am so excited to kickstart these particular episodes again. So the way that we start these is obviously everyone knows your name now, but why don't you tell us who you are? Tell us a little bit about you. What do you do? Where do you live? That kind of good stuff. I live in Southern California um, and I uh, have my own production company where I consult and produce and direct and develop uh, programming that is geared at making an impact with an audience. So mm-hmm. most of the genres are sports or uh, women's empowerment or kids. Um, and I have a particular interest in outdoor programming as well. Okay, awesome. And when you when you reached out to to um, be coached on the show, you filled out you know the 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 infamous application. And one of the things that you said that you wanted some help with is I'm gonna just like briefly read what you wrote, and I would love for you to go into a little bit more detail about it. So you said something you were currently struggling with was clearly knowing what I want and using my voice to ask for it and set boundaries. So can you say a little bit more about that? What I find in my life, which I, which tends to present itself in most or if not all areas of my life, is this inability to sometimes know what the correct action is. People talk a lot about intuition. Um, you know, I might have gut feelings every now and then, but I tend to question them rather than act on them. And that can... I don't think it necessarily gets me in trouble anymore because, you know, I'm in the latter half of my life. It does prevent me, I think, from really being able to take strong actions. 
And part of it is related to my, my inability to sort of to speak about what it is that I want, to feel confident enough to say what I believe, whether it's, you know, a core belief or value, whether it's, you know, a political uh, thought, or it's something that has to do with setting boundaries around my family or, or people in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, I can give you, you know, five or six. I would love, were you going to give an example? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yes, please give us an example. Here's a, I'll give you one work example, which is I recently engaged in a consulting relationship with a company and they're interested in having me come on board full-time as a COO in a uh, less than traditional pay scale. So, um, Part of it is bringing a business and then sharing in the profits of that business, eventually, you know, building a company to where at a salaried position and, you know, had multiple conversations with this, you know, potential partner. I've gotten a deal memo from them. I've reviewed it with a lawyer. Um, and essentially what I've decided is that it doesn't feel right to me to work without getting paid right now. There are parts of the deal that you know, I'm comfortable with and parts of them that are not. I've spoken to, you know, advisors and mentors. My lawyer talked about how to get back to him, what I want to say. And I have been sitting on this deal memo since mid-January. Mm-hmm. And I haven't sent it back to him with my notes from my lawyer because I, I am afraid to speak about, hey, I only want this to be part-time. Here are the parameters in which I can feel comfortable you know, doing business with you on. And part of it is I don't know him. And so I want to walk into it slowly. And I haven't been able to use my voice to set the boundaries around that, even though I know exactly what I want to do. And speaking to you right now, I can feel my throat chakra tightening up at the fear of telling him. And there is no, I can come up with absolutely no reason not to uh, respond to him. And he's waiting for this deal in my comments back. So that's one work life example. Okay. Let's let's pick that one apart. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So is is it fair to say that that is a fairly common example of how this shows up in your life? Yes. I think okay. that, you know, certainly in work, um it's a pain point and you know, it also shows up in my love relationship and my relationship mm-hmm. with my kids all of it. So I'm assuming it's the exact same core root issue. Right. Um, I just keep bumping up against it and it always looks different every time. <laughs> so. But it's the pattern is similar. Totally. When you were talking about that, especially that last part about it, it happening in you know different patterns in your life, it reminds me of something that my therapist said to me very recently. And she said, and I wrote it down. She said, human beings are a bundle of conditioned responses. And that struck me because what I'm seeing more and more in my clients and even my friends and very much myself too, is that especially with women, and then it's not that this doesn't happen with men, it does, it just looks different. So especially with women, we become conditioned very young to be 
generally speaking here, seen and not heard to very much be accommodating, to not rock any boats, to, to not make other people uncomfortable with our requests, with our negotiations, with our asks and, and et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't surprise me that this is the case. And I think that where I would love to go next with you is to dig in a little bit I'm very curious to, for you to tell us more a little bit about what you are afraid might happen. And this very much might be your inner critic talking. Like, what do you feel like is worst case scenario if you, let's stick with this example, if you come to him and say, thank you for sending me this proposal, here are my requests or, or here are my conditions. I guess that the core of it, I'm afraid I'll walk away. Okay. So you're, you're afraid he'll say no? Yeah. Or... Not that he'll say no and we'll continue to negotiate because I think that's the point, but more that he will just walk away and say, sorry, you know, if you're not agreeing to my terms, then let's not do this. Okay. And, and then when, what would happen if, if he did that? Then what? Uh, then I would be out of a job or out of the opportunity. Wouldn't have mm-hmm. the opportunity. Okay. Anything else that might happen that makes you nervous or afraid? I'm a little worried that he is, and this may, um, as I'm about to say it, I think it also is true in other areas of my life, but that he may wind up being a bit of a jerk. So he may not be, or the situation not be what I think it is or what I want it to be. So by using my voice and saying what I need, it'll expose that this isn't the right situation. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you would feel unsafe. Correct. Okay. The thing that kind of sucks is like th- that, those are valid possibilities. <laughs> 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 um, that could happen. He could say, no, thanks. He could, he could turn and become a complete jerk. And, and then what are some, what are some more positive options that could happen? Oh, we just negotiate and I get my terms and everything is fine. And we move forward. Mm-hmm. We could, um, I mean, in that blue sky version, um, I limit the amount of time that I'm actually working with him rather than going full time and other opportunities present themselves. Um, and this is as most thing I'd like to think of most things as being a stepping stone mm-hmm. towards what's next. Yeah, that, that could happen. And the other option, I'm not sure if you thought of this or not, is that he could say no and you also walk away feeling brave and empowered that you asked for what you wanted, even though it didn't work out in your favor. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to live. <laughs> yeah, this is a different perspective. Yeah. The other option, well, I guess it would be the same option and a feeling that could come from that last one is that you also would walk away from that deal not having said yes to something that you knew you did not want to do. Yeah. My friend, Rachel Luna has this great saying, and she says, if not this, then something better. Mm-hmm. When she's faced with a situation like, like you're in where we, we get attached to the outcome that we want. Right. I'm not telling you that it is as simple as just shifting perspectives or having a, an empowering affirmation or mantra, but I am giving you those kind of seeds to, to plant in your brain. Um, I also absolutely don't want to step over what you said about 
your throat chakra tightening up when you were talking about it. So can we kind of take a few steps back to that? And can you open that up a little bit more and talk to us about that? Sure. So one of the things that um, we had touched on briefly in our our pre-interview was that when I was when I was younger, I was a really loud kid. Like I would (laughs) just a loud kid, you know, I was always getting into trouble. I was always bumping into things, breaking things, you know, sounds like a typical child, (laughs) child, um, you know, potentially louder than others, also a middle child. So I need to, to really assert myself to get any sort of attention. And because of that, I, I had this nickname in my family called Lissa Dammit. Um, so whenever, uh, I would do something wrong, you know, one of my parents would say, listen, damn it. And so that became my loving, you know, joking, loving nickname in my family. And because I was always so loud and they were always telling me, quiet down, quiet down, quiet down. I feel like in that kid, you know, management perspective, I just shut up mm-hmm. and I haven't really gotten my voice back as an adult in any real way. And I think the more internal work I do, the more, um, you know, more yoga, more meditation, the more I can really feel into my body. And I'm curious because I would like to, you know, heal from those old wounds. I don't want these things holding me back at all. Um, And I feel it in my throat. Yeah. I feel the resistance in my throat. And that's always been, an, not always, but it's recently been an indicator for me of like, oh, maybe you're afraid to speak about this. I think that the backstory, I guess, about the throat chakra and the, you know, I'm, I guess I'm grateful now that I'm able to feel that. Mm-hmm. What I haven't been able to do yet is use that as an indicator and then take a nice, bold action um, right. when I'm feeling it. I so appreciate you sharing that. And I, I do feel like there's people listening who, who, who might not actually feel the, the physiology of that happening to their throat, but they might have other places where they feel some kind of tightness or it gets hot in their belly or in their neck or shoulders or back or, or wherever it is that they, they feel it. And here are my thoughts about what's going on here. And then I'm going to, I'm going to put, put a question on you is I think that there's, there's two things happening and I would be negligent. I think is the word. If I only just pushed you to take action, which I could do, and we could figure out a strategy, uh, exactly a script for you to say, you know, what to tell yourself ahead of time in, in terms of mantras and, and things like that, which I, I do think would be helpful, but it only is a band-aid for a bigger problem. And then you would turn around the next week and be faced with something else again and, and more or less be back where you started. And I don't want that for you. So I, I think it's it's two twofold. It's the the element of taking action that is scary for you and makes you feel unsafe. And then there's also this larger part, which you're which you're aware of, of there's this trauma is what it is living inside of your body that has been with you forever that you have, you know, like, as I was saying, my, my therapist said, we are, we just, these <laughs> conditioned unconscious responses 
that's what's happening here is that you are responding unconsciously in situations like having this conversation with this man to negotiate this, this deal of that. It's absolutely unsafe for you to do so. So you haven't responded in several weeks. So my question for you now is what do you, I have some suggestions, but I, I always want to put it on the client first to see, cause you know, you best and you know, your body best. What it, well, is there anything that you're feeling that might help you in this situation that maybe you've been afraid to work on? Yes. As you had been talking, another sort of situation came into my head and, um, you know, I apologize if this is the correct direction from a coaching perspective, but I aim to get as much out of this call as I possibly can. Of course. I want you to be the one to drive the bus. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, So one of the things that just came up for me too is, is my current romantic relationship where I've been in this um, relationship with a man for the last 10 years, very on again, off again. Um, We have very different value systems. He bumps up against my teenage daughters quite a bit because of that, because my daughters and I share the same value system, which he doesn't necessarily have. And I constantly tell myself that at at his core and at the root of our relationship, we are symbiotic, um, but that there are many other ways in which we're not. And a lot of it is socioeconomics and your, our perspectives on the world and, you know, being a giving place versus a taking away a place. And, you know, that is also a place where I don't, so you ask what's at the root. And I think in, in that situation for me, where I also really have trouble finding my voice and telling him, you know, what I feel or what I need or, or what some of his things, the impression they leave on my kids and, and towards what you were saying before in terms of not wanting to really look at the situation in an honest way and know that it's not right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same with the work situation. Like I so want it to be a certain way because outwardly all of the things are amazing and it may not be the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. And if I expose it, if I really use my voice and say my truth about, here's what I'm not sure about, or here's the way that I really would like it to be you know, in terms of like right. living my best life, then either it falls apart or you know, it becomes what I want it to be, which is miraculous and amazing, or... I stood in my truth and said my piece and it fell apart and that's okay because I stood in my truth. And I think it's the same with this romantic Mm -hmm. relationship where I'm so afraid to, you know, when we had another um, sort of separation and then coming back together and in this coming back together, you know, he said, I'm willing willing to do the hard work and want to be in this with you forever. And the other day he sent an inappropriate, political text to one of my daughters. And she was like, why is he doing this? And I had a real conversation with him about it. And, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't see, and he couldn't say he was sorry. And he went all black and white. And then, you know, I was said, I'm, you know, I'm not judging you, but I, I need to draw the line here. And like, there's no mm-hmm. reason for you to be sending these things to her because it upsets her. And yeah. he, you know, was able to come back around and say, okay, you know, I'm, 
willing to do, willing to not do that anymore. And I want to stay in this with you. But it's like all signs keep telling me that there's something better out there. Like there's another mm-hmm. human being who I can love just as much who isn't going to send these texts. It's almost like an internal need to settle when you talk about those old programmings that I'm constantly yeah. in a state of settle instead of even working with the situation I have and making it the best possible or not working with it and moving beyond. Okay. I have an assignment for you. This is probably the first of many I'm going to give you. (laughs) I would love for you to listen to this back. Mm -hmm. No matter, you know, some people have no problem listening to themselves and and I, I know you're in this industry, so maybe you are fine with hearing your own voice. I would love for you to listen to this back from the perspective of, that you are one of your very best friends or one of your daughters and think about what you would be telling her. Okay. That's sort of like a little self-love exercise. Mm -hmm. The other thing that jumped out at me as you were talking and you actually came to the conclusion before I even had to say anything, you said you kind of looked at it as a, like, like a polarization. Sorry, I'm waving my hands around and I just hit my lamp (laughs) (laughs) of that. You said, what if it falls apart or something like, or I get what, what I want. And then in the next sentence you said, basically, or what, what if it's both? What if you, what if it does fall apart, whether it's with this negotiation with this particular contract or with your partner and you do end up getting what you want because you are betting on yourself. Because what your pattern has been, and like I'm raising my hand over here too, Melissa, because I've done this so many times, and I know that there's so many women listening who've done the same. They're betting on someone or something else. They're putting themselves second or third or last because we don't trust ourselves, because we are second guessing ourselves, because we are trying to get counsel from anybody and everywhere so we can make the decision that we already know is right for us. You start betting on yourself before you are ready to do so. I, I think that if not, if I have learned nothing else in the last 12 years I've been coaching, talking to hundreds of experts on the topic, reading so many self-help books, it's coming out of my ears, is that we don't, we can't wait for confidence or you know, whatever you want to call it self-assuredness, whatever. We can't wait for that to happen first. I remember you said something in our, um, like our little pre-chat, you said something, I wrote it down. You said, I want to feel like the woman I want to be before I take action. And I, is that fair? Like, did you say that or did I write that down wrong? Totally. Now I want to feel, feel it so I can be it. Right. Um, I don't know (laughs) anyone that's done that. Like if anyone's listening who has, like, please write to me because I want to talk to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I beg you, Melissa, do not wait for that day because you are going to be a very old woman if it ever happens. And I'll be damned if I bump into you in five or 10 years and you're still waiting for that day. We have spent decades being conditioned to be a certain way, to to not bet on ourselves. 
And the scariest part of all of this is not necessarily that that guy might say no about the negotiation or that your partner might say, I can't be the the man that you want me to be. It's the action of the action that you're going to take to actually tell these two different people that what you're looking at are deal breakers. That you yeah. cannot accommodate and bend anymore to what they want. That you are betting on Melissa. So when I say all that, what what are what are your first thoughts and or feelings in your body? Um, feelings in my body actually are are great. More high frequency energy. No real, no clogging. If you were <laughs> like energy mm-hmm. clogging here, um, which is great and. It also seems so simple. Like, I guess I'm, I'm used to control and manipulation as my tactics. Um, and this takes away that. So let go of the results, do the work. If I can take that action of betting on myself every single time, then life just continues to unfold. And open up for you. And open up. I know that you would not have filled out the application to come and talk to me if you thought that you couldn't do it, if you truly believed without a doubt that you couldn't change, that things are just always going to be the same, that there's no hope for you, that you might as well just continue on being this way, you, you wouldn't, you would have just like deleted the email (laughs) (laughs) or not even opened it up when you saw the subject line, like come and get coached on the show for me for free, Mm -hmm. but you opened it up, you filled out the application you sent it over, you said yes to get on the phone with me. That tells me that you know that it's possible for you to start betting on yourself and taking action before you are actually ready. Correct. Yes. And similarly, as you're talking about reading every single self-help book and, and consulting with everyone I need to consult in <laughs> um, to get triple confirmation before I take right. an action and then still sitting on the action. And get a tarot reading and see a psychic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then waiting for that star alignment, which may not come in this millennial. I absolutely know that it is possible. And I also know that it's super freeing and I still have a ton of fear around it. Yes, Um, absolutely. But I am getting more practiced at at doing it regardless of the fear. fear. What I've come to learn too is that fear is information. Fear tells us sometimes that someone or something is actually dangerous. Sometimes fear tells us that what we are about to do means a metric shit ton to us. In this situation, I feel like it's the latter. Uh, I, I highly doubt that this professional that you're you're working with is going to turn on you and it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, if you've spent a decade with your partner, I highly doubt things are going <laughs> to go terribly bad. To me, it's, it's the latter. It's the fear of disappointing people. It's the fear of being alone. It's the fear of economic... You know, like all of those those things that are understandable that are trying to keep you safe, but in the long run, if you if you bypass that fear, you you are actually in alignment with the values and the woman that you want to be. 
Is there anything else you, you want to say before I start diving into assignments for you to take the next steps? I may interrupt you, but no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here, here are my thoughts. And, and when I give clients assignments, I always want you to, to understand that you can either say yes, no, or counter offer. So we kind of co-create the assignment. I always put the expertise on you. You know your life best. You know what's going on in your head. I'm just here to make suggestions and we co-create them together. I, I would love to have two different things that you do. One is more of a kind of logistics-based, like, okay, I am going to, I don't know what else you have to do for this contract. It sounds like you you have it all laid out with lawyers and all those important people. Maybe it's just emailing this guy and setting up an appointment to talk to him, whatever it is. And maybe same thing with your your partner. I don't know if it's like having, like writing out what your kind of deal breakers are. Like here are my here are my values in the relationship and here's what I will and will not tolerate from this relationship anymore. That type of thing and having the conversation. You tell me what that is. And then the other one, the other assignment would be to, I love that you do meditations and more somatic exercises like that. So it might be looking for a therapist that does specific embodiment trauma therapy for you, something like that. So where do you want to start with, with committing to some, some homework? I mean, let's go to the first logistical one about okay. the deal breakers and emails and appointments. Okay. So my first question is, what are you committing to do and by when? Okay. I would commit to emailing my response to the, I have the information. I just need to put it together and send it out to him and I can do it by end of day today. Okay. Amazing. And that feels okay? Yeah. I mean, and by that's... okay, I mean, <laughs> you have enough time in your day to do it and you won't yeah. rush or anything. I think okay. what, what yeah. often happens to me is when I put something off like this, which I have been, then I am almost confirming, this is probably another coaching layer, but like confirming that things are going to go badly. So mm -hmm. because part of what I want to tell him is that I can't be available full time. I haven't been full time. And so I'm not doing the amount of work that I should be doing or that in his, in his mind, because he's requested my full-time presence. Right. And so then I'm all confirming that it's not going to end well because I'm giving you just a have more time to, to make up stories. It sounds like what part time person. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. okay. Good. I, I love that you know yourself well enough to, to put that end of day time stamp on it. Yeah. So before we go into the stuff with your partner, what do you need to put into place, if anything, to be able to support you to do that task? So that might look like um, that you get the help of a friend, if you need to text like an SOS type of thing, if you need to go for a walk afterwards, like, is there anything self-care wise that you need to do? Getting a little, getting some exercise or doing a little meditation or some exercise around it, I think would be helpful. So my okay. head's clear. Yeah. Good. Good. And then would you be okay with committing to texting me once you shoot the email? Yes, of course. Okay. So when we're done, I'll, I'll make sure you have my cell so you can text me. And it's fine if it's late because I know you're on a different time zone than I am. Okay, good. Um, and then what about any action you're going to take around your partner? Oof. 
That's a big one. I think writing out that the deal breakers is a Mm -hmm. great exercise. Having the conversation is more difficult. Can you say a little bit more about that? (laughs) Because he's super sensitive and immature. Okay. Um, So if I bring up these things, he's going to run or he might run. I think your reference about, you know, what would my advice to my daughters be when they listen to something like that story? And as if it was their boyfriend, I mean, my advice would be, you know, cut your ties. You need Mm -hmm. to find someone who is, who meets you where you are. Or at least is willing to work on meeting you where you are at the very least. And that's always where I think that he nets out, but it involves him you know, shutting down, running away, building his up his brick walls again, um, and then coming back and being willing to work on it. And it's just, he's at a different, he's, he doesn't sit well with fear and he doesn't mm-hmm. choose to understand fear or look at it. I mean, he only yeah. looks at it because I make him or I ask him to. These topics are a little bit tricky because um, I know we could have a whole conversation about that because he's not here. I wonder if maybe for now you would get a lot of clarity around writing out, like you, like we mentioned, yeah. the conditions and guidelines of what you're willing and unwilling to tolerate. Maybe it's something, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been to couples counseling before. Maybe it's something like that where you can go somewhere and have yeah. kind of a mediator where you you work on both of your stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's, of course, I think you're great, but <laughs> there's probably also stuff in the relationship that you can work on. Um, that's how I would present it. I don't know if that's something that. Yeah. I mean, if, if I've, of course, brought up therapy with him before. We've gone once, you know, maybe like seven years ago um, uh-huh. to a few sessions and it was just too painful and annoying and expensive for him. So I did bring it up again when we were getting back together this time and he said he was willing to do the hard stuff, but I don't, I don't see him following through on that. Unfortunately, I'd be very curious. Like, what does he mean by that specifically? What is the hard stuff to him? Yeah. Cause it's not opening jars and, you know, painting your kitchen. No. That's a good question because obviously I think it's something other than he thinks it is. So I was very curious what he thinks it is. Yeah. Me too. Okay. Yeah. I think that's an it that's an be. easy question to ask. Yeah. Like what what does that mean to him? Um, or is that something that that he just kind of thought you wanted to hear? Um, I hope it's not. And that he I just yes, therapy is annoying and like therapy is never fun. I have never had fun at therapy. Like it's, (laughs) and I love this work and it's just, oh, especially couples is, is I think extra annoying and hard. No one has fun at therapy. And also, yes, it's expensive, but you know what else is expensive is being in a long-term relationship with someone and being financially tied and having it fall apart. Like, like it's, it's, a life partner is worth everything. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like to me, that's worth being expensive. I agree. Completely agree. I don't know him, but it sounds like that might be a little bit of an excuse because he doesn't want to go face his stuff. Yep. I agree. So that assignment is 
just so I'm clear on what your assignments are, you're going to write out what your deal breakers are, what you will and won't tolerate in that relationship, and then kind of take a step back and look at it. Correct. Okay. And I think I can also commit to asking the question, like what, when we talked about the hard stuff, what, mm-hmm. what was he thinking? Yeah. Cause you said, that's what he said when you got back together. Yes. Yeah. What is that? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that look like? Okay. Melissa, I have all the faith in you in the world to bet on yourself. And I hope you listen back to this and see a side of yourself that you can have compassion for. Because I I really feel like there's that little girl inside of you who felt hurt by getting that nickname and felt like she had to kind of go along with the joke because everybody thought it was funny except you. And that, that more or less inner child could really use some love and attention and compassion. I wish I could go back in time and, and hug you and, and, and tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. And I love how loud and boisterous you are. And I would love for you to maybe, I, mean, I don't know how much inner child work you've done, but maybe that's an extra assignment for you to think about what you would go back and tell that little girl who was nicknamed that. I have not done really much of any of that work, although somewhat recently I did put a picture, someone suggested I put a picture of my young self as my screensaver Mm -hmm. on my phone, (laughs) which my kids thought was completely selfish and self-centered that I thought I was so cute. But as a reminder to be nice to that person. Yeah. I invite you to be selfish and self-centered around this topic. We need to do more of that. I, I have a an ongoing joke with my friend Samantha Bennett, who's been on the show, and we we call each other conceited cunts. <laughs> the <laughs> nicest it's so, usage of that word I think I've ever heard. It, it's yeah. partly because it's so shocking. Yeah. And we are on a mission to take back the word conceited because, you know, in middle school, that's like the worst thing you you could have been called. And I have a picture of myself from when I was 17 framed in my office because that was such a difficult year for me. And when I do really hard things like speak up for myself or have hard conversations with people from my past and and set boundaries, I look at her and I do like a little fake cheers with with no cup in my hand because I'm I'm doing it for her. I'm also doing it for my daughter. I'm doing it for all the women who listen to this podcast. Like sometimes having that perspective can be helpful. And and you may want to check out and just even read about it, uh, internal family systems. So it's it's I forget the name of the psychologist who coined it, but my friend uh, Rebecca Ching was on recently. And she was talking specifically about that particular mode of, of therapy. Um, and you can find IFS therapists near you. But that might be something for you to look into that's, that can be very helpful for childhood stuff. Great. I will yeah. definitely do that. Any last thoughts that you want to say before we, before we close up today? Just a thank you. Love what you do. I think uh, you do it really well. And I appreciate what you're doing for all the people out there, including myself. You're so welcome. I appreciate you for coming on and being so vulnerable and telling your story and talking to us about 
the the things that you feel challenged by. And I know that there are so many people listening who are who are raising their hand and saying, me too, and they might not have the same circumstance, but they feel the same way about showing up in their lives and, and speaking up. All right, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I hope that you probably saw some parts of yourself in what Melissa was being so gracious and vulnerable to talk to us about today. A week or so after I had this conversation with her, we had an email conversation and she said that she did reply to the person that we had talked about regarding the proposal that she was procrastinating on. And at the time of this recording, was still waiting to hear back. And she did make the list we talked about regarding her relationship, and she said it gave her clarity about where she's at and the decision she needs to make. And that at the end of the day, her biggest takeaways, the things that helped her the most, were to always bet on herself and not wait for confidence. I hope that that resonated with you as well. I'm going to repeat it. The one person that we need to always bet on is ourselves, And that can be tricky and complicated. Sometimes we need some support with therapy. Sometimes we need to do some journaling and get things out as to why we have a history of not betting on ourselves. Maybe why we don't trust ourselves completely and fully with our whole heart and our whole self. So again, I sincerely hope that this episode was helpful for you. Stay tuned to additional coaching episodes coming up on the show that we have for you. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone.